Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. My name is Mark Rennick. Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. It's snowing out there. Is it raining out there? Oh, man, I'll tell you, it's changed. Winter is not over. Victory Over Sin is, the, this is the part of the show over Victory Over Sin where we talk about how we got funded and what we're doing here. We are funded by Systemic Change of Idaho. And Systemic Change of Idaho is an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul here locally. It's an interesting story about how we got started. Uh, about five years ago, uh, some people uh, from a church I was going to said, hey, they're starting this conference with St. Vincent de Paul for reentry. And I know you're not Catholic, but I need you to go and kind of hang out with these guys. And so I started doing it. And it's called the Reentry Conference from St. Vincent de Paul. And what we do is we see people as they come out of incarceration. They call up and they say, I just got released from prison. And then two of us go out and talk to them. We help them with rent. We help them with uh, bicycles. We help them with bus passes, et cetera. And it's been going for about five years. It's been very, very successful. To give you an idea, for last calendar year, 1,000 people paroled to Region 4. This little group saw almost 600 of those people on an individual basis. So it's gotten popular. And it's not only got popular in Idaho, but it got popular across the nation from St. Vincent de Paul. And they came out and said, what are you guys doing? And we've got a national reentry conference. And we spent some time with them, and they said, hey, there's some extra money to do something different. What would you like to do? And some of us said, hey, let's talk to Idahoans about what it's like to be on parole, because I don't think they know. And they said, okay, and they gave us some money, and they've given us a little bit more money, and they're about to give us a little bit more money. But what we do with that money, number one, is to fund this show. And on this show, if you look back in the archives of uh, KBXL, you'll see that we've got some of the major players that have been involved with working with returning citizens. And we talk to them and we talk about issues that face people who are just out of incarceration. We also have developed a PowerPoint over time with information about what it's like to be on parole. And we show that PowerPoint to different churches, to different service groups, to different anybody who really wants to see it. The key for this is that it is shown by people who have been trained as returning citizens. And so if you see this group and you see somebody presenting this information, it's very powerful to see, number one, the audience likes the material. They don't know about what's going on. But to see the self-esteem grow in the person who's just been out of incarceration, it's real powerful. They say, hey, I'm affecting change. I'm showing people what it's like. And it's done in a very professional manner. At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you how to reach me. If you're interested as a person who's out there, a returning citizen wants to get involved, get, let me know. If you're interested and you want us to come talk to your group, let me know, and we'll do that. So it's very powerful. Uh, some other things that are going on before we get to our guest, which I'm, you're going to be excited to hear about. Uh, we've also, I got back from, I got to spend some time last weekend in New York with a group called Just Leadership USA, and I'm excited about this group. Uh, it's a group that's been going for about four years. What they do is train people who have been incarcerated to become better leaders. Uh, I liken it to the fact that what they want is to take what AARP is to people who are older. They want Just Leadership to be to people who are incarcerated. It's a very powerful group. 
I've been selected, and I'm the first Idahoan to be selected to be a fellow for them. So it's a very small group of people now. We're uh, just under 100, and I will spend four, I think I'm going back to New York four more times in 2018 to do seminars. I do webinars. It's powerful, and I'm the first Idahoan. So you'll be hearing more about this as we go forward. It's an exciting new venture for those of us who are incarcerated. Uh, We will take a short break and be back with my guest in just a minute. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. I'm excited about our guest. Um, uh, we've been after him for a while. He's been busy. Uh, Mr. Randy Blaze is here, and I think we can safely say now that he is Deputy Chief of Prisons, correct? Yeah, that's correct. In addition to being warden at ISCC. Is that correct? Welcome, welcome. Tell us about how that's happened and what that's, how that's working out in your life. Well, I've been uh, with the department now for almost 30 years. I started in... Uh, in uh, 1990 or 1988, mm-hmm. and um, been a warden uh, for 14 and a half years. And most recently, I um, three and a half years ago was part of uh, the uh, reorganization of the Idaho State Correctional Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that if you're listening, when the private prison gave it up, you took over the when the private prison left Idaho, then then we went in and and uh, and assumed operations of the facility. And so I've been doing that for the last three and a half years. I'm just working on some, some, um, some visions that I've had there. Uh, but another opportunity presented itself recently uh, with our uh, administrative office, central office uh, uh, in, in Boise, uh, as the deputy chief of prisons working for the chief of prisons. And um, that opportunity then allows me to look at policies uh, for the department, uh, uh, supervised wardens throughout the state and that type of thing. So looking forward to that. It's a lot easier to walk into your office, too. You're just going to go upstairs to the third floor. It's kind of, yeah. You know, not as many gates and There's checks and balances and, and things and like that. Yeah, yeah. Not as many people wanting something from you when you go in that gate there at the front well, door. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. That's well, good. Thank you. That's good. Uh, you and I, um, obviously, I was incarcerated. People that listen to my voice know that. We crossed paths on several different occasions. You were the warden at... Um, at the yard at uh, ISCI or ISCI at uh, mm-hmm. when I was first incarcerated, and then we were I was at Max and you were the warden briefly there for a while at the same time. So we saw each other's past, but we certainly never spoke. I will tell you a story about you though, if that's okay. It was oh. uh, you're on the yard. You're here on the yard, and people who are listening always don't know this. To go to breakfast or you go, you have to get up real early. Okay. And uh, and I was living in a 15 house or 16 house because I was an RDU. And so you have to walk. It's dark. It's cold. And you're walking down this long corridor to get to Pendine. And I can remember walking down one time the, and up on the steps, you were there. 
in this long leather jacket. And I looked over some and I go, who the heck is that? You know, I go, that's Wharton Blades. And so you were this ominous kind of figure there. <laughs> so that's, that was my first introduction <laughs> to you, sir. And you were standing out there at 530 in the morning just watching what was going on. So it's interesting. So now full, uh, what is it? 14 years later, we're talking to each other. There you the go. That's yeah, that's awesome to see. Yes. And you do have a very good reputation. We'll get to that kind of as we go through. I think that's part of the reason that I wanted you on is people speak of you uh, in a very, very professional manner and have respect for you. So, But you, are you a native Idahoan, sir? I was born in Anchorage, Alaska, and but my family uh, lived here most of my childhood and high school, went to Bar High School, and mm -hmm. yes, I'm a native of Idaho. And did you, uh, how did you get to the Department of Corrections? Well, I uh, uh, originally out of high school, I left Bora, and I was in the Marine Corps mm -hmm. for uh, about six years, and uh, and then uh, uh, got into business in the mobile home industry. That's what, you know, yeah. I, 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 I yeah. got to mention, guys, I kind of did my research on him, and I have a history of manufactured housing. So, and I saw that you were involved with that, too. Where was that? Was that here local, or was that? That was here in Boise, out on Federal Way at, uh, at the uh, uh, manufacturer out there, and then also as a dealership in Ontario, Oregon. Which, which dealership, do you mind? Which Treasure Valley Homes oh, in, really? in Ontario. You worked for, you worked for, uh, you worked for uh, I'm flashing his name. Tom and Jerry uh, Enigui? No. Oh, okay. It was before them? It was before them. Oh, yeah. okay. Good. Because yeah. I worked for them after them. Oh. At Tom, after Tom died, I worked for Jerry. Okay. <laughs> I was Nashua Village in Nampa. Okay, Nashua, yeah. Yeah, Village. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? See? I knew there's a link. Okay. Yeah. Um, Nashua Homes was a good, that's a, that's a good product. Okay. I divert, but that was cool. That's great. I love that. <laughs> so after there, how did, what got you into corrections from selling or working with manufactured homes? I'm one of those people, probably the, the rare duck, that um, even as, at a young age, I, I kind of uh, had, had made up my mind there was two things I was interested in, uh, uh, being in the military and working in prisons. Now, how, how a child would come up with that is, is beyond me, but I just felt something in my heart that that's where I needed to be, and, um, and that just never left. And so as the years went on, I was, I was making good money in business. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't, uh, I wasn't uh, satisfied uh, with that line of work, and that just kept coming up in my, in my heart and mind. And so I just signed up, uh, took about a, uh, at least a $20,000 a year cut in pay, and uh, went to work for the prisons. And what and was your first entry-level job? What was your I was job? a correctional officer wow, that's, so you working at ISCI. Totally uh -huh. Wow, that is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that's, a, that's a great story. The thing that where you and I, or where I saw the impact of, of you upon my release was the stuff that you did at ISCC since, since you've taken over from the private prisons. You were, um, to give you credit, you brought in people from the outside, nonprofits like myself, to talk about people upon release. That's unusual. It's not done in every facility. It should be done in every facility. I think it should be uniformed. But you did it, and you were ahead of the game. Talk about that a little bit, please. Well, preparation for society, I, I believe, is what is what prisons should do. It's it's the focus should be not just a good inmate, uh, but a good neighbor. Ninety eight percent, as you know, yes, uh, of of those guys in prison uh, get out, and 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 a key is 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 breaking the cycle of that criminal behavior. And 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 I've always been interested in looking at strategies 
that can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, Reentry right before you get out is critical. And so we've taken a unit and, and we have 100 beds. Mm -hmm. And as guys get near, they have the opportunity to go there, get resources, focus on their, on, on, on their reentry, reentry with family. They have family night uh, in our visiting area where people can come in and play games with them and, mm -hmm. and reunite, if you will, before they, before they leave. And then it even goes uh, uh, ahead of that uh, inside the prison itself. Creating an environment is, is a goal of mine that, um, that, that models the skill of participating in, in, in normal and, and ordinary and daily activities without, without uh, uh, drugs or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so we've been looking at those types of strategies as well over the, since the three and a half years that I've been there. Yeah, I, again, I can't say it enough. I... We would come out there and do it, and I say, why don't other people do this? Why don't? And I think they're looking within the department at a new reentry coordinator that I think the directors talked about. And I think those types of things are the are the things that are key in terms of what. And I say we as a returning citizen, that's what we need to kind of trans uh, to to be prepared to walk back out into the to the system because. You've had some changes in terms of programming and all that's great, but by and large, it's really that connection. And sometimes it breaks down when um, what the case manager knows, what the parole officer knows, what are they prepared. There is just like this intense kind of pressure to make this all work. Where am I going to live? Who's going to pay for this? And what gets bogged down, unfortunately, is the tools that, are, that they need to succeed. And I know everybody's working on it. We're working on it from the outside. But that's, it's nice to see your leadership from that standpoint. And I hope as you go downtown, you will continue that, that vein. Correct. Uh, and is, so as you go downtown, is, will that be something that you can continue and kind of focus on downtown? Yeah, we're looking at, at, at those types of strategies as a department, in fact, and all the facilities. Uh, um, uh, we recently had a, a leadership seminar. Mm -hmm. And the leadership uh, from the facilities around the state came and actually presented their ideas along these lines. And, and that was um, a good enlightenment in that uh, we saw that um, the wardens around the state um, are on board with the same type of thought process. So I, I think, think we'll see matter, more of that. I think it's just a matter of making it work. So uh, from our standpoint here, as we talk, that hopefully gives you some impetus to say that still it's really out there. And to go forward with that, thank you for that. The thing that, that was always evident about you two as I heard of you was that you were a man of faith, and it was very strong. You never came out and shared that with anybody, or but there was always, I mean, I, everybody knew where you went to church, everybody knew what you believed, and everybody knew you believed it very strongly. And uh, address kind of that, how you do that in the workplace. I mean, I'm blessed when I get to come here because I'm in a Christian radio station, all these people talk about this and we're real open with it. But in the rest of my life, I'm, sometimes I'm not as easy to be honest with it, but it must be difficult for you to do that. Is it difficult or not? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I start each day with prayer and reading my Bible. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so you have a foundation of your day to go forward and just let, let the Lord lead you. Uh, as you as you as you encounter people, as you encounter situations, and, and I think if you mirror Christ and and have that on your mind and and heart throughout the day, and actually pray for that, mm -hmm. that that God's going to help you to to live that type of life. Well, congratulations for doing that in the setting. I know that when I was at Max, we talked a little bit before we came on board that we started a faith-based program at Max, and I know the resistance from staff at that point in time was. 
it was overwhelming at first. But we won them over in time because they said, hey, these guys show up for work. They do this. And, you know, I can remember a deputy warden saying, you know, I caught these guys praying, you know. And in time, they saw that those of us that lived in G Block were doing the right thing. Now, did we get along all the time? Heck no. Uh, but we were working on it, and we did. We ended up doing all the suicide watch, which freed up all the hours from staff to do that. We did the dog program out there. And in the end, I think we won over staff at max. Some of the staff are still there. So you can do that. So I, I, I appreciate what you're doing. You took that same kind of component, I guess, you, if you will, to ISCC. And so congratulations for that. That's it's diff- I, I say that's, I say I want to say it's difficult to do, but it's not difficult to do, is it? Do what we do. You and I do. Well, we live life no matter where we're at. That's right. And and uh, uh, whether that's inside of a prison, at a movie theater, on Sorry. a vacation, and and uh, as long as uh, as long as your you know faith is just that, and and belief is just that, and as long as it's consistent in your life, it uh, is. and you exercise a, it. It's a very daily. it's a very broken world outside. These, it is uh, outside the doors right here, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a very broken system within the correctional system, but. It, the exciting thing is that you and I get to go forward, and I get up in the morning. Today, I get up in the morning, and I said I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I get to see Randy Blaze today, and I get to share this sort of thing. So it's mm-hmm. it's an excitement that we get to go out and do every day, and I'm excited about it. And I think my role, and I, I would assume yours say, would say the same thing, our role is to provide that. I can see what's in your heart by the way you carry yourself. And what I want people to do is to say, what does that guy have that I don't have? Does that make sense to you? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Be ready to explain the hope that's within you. Absolutely, because I think that's that's our role as Christians. Mm-hmm. So that's cool, and it's great to see from you. Um, I was fortunate, we talked a little bit again before we went on, that I was fortunate this year with my little nonprofit that got to bring the cookies out to Max. We've, it's now going to become my little agency's kind of key point that we do every year. And I got to take the cookies out into the tiers this year. And I'm actually going to go through training this week and become on the roads to becoming a volunteer to go into the prison system. But um, I was struck when I went back into my old living situation at the way that people carried themselves. Now, they didn't know who I was. They thought I was just another old guy kind of giving out cookies. (laughs) Um, But I saw a hardness in men at Max that I don't think was there when I was there. And I think if we can talk just a little bit, have you seen that change over people in the years you're there, or is, and does that reflect society, or am I off base with some of that? Well, prison has a way of reflecting mm-hmm. society, and uh, I don't think it's any secret that uh, we do have a harder world uh, where, uh, where, where violence, uh, you know, pornography, all, all of the issues that, that just make for a more difficult situation for mankind are out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, crime numbers, if you look at those, and, and if you just look at the failed uh, lives and marriages all around us, and um, uh, then that's reflected by what we see coming into, to, into the prisons and the, the families themselves. Uh, a lot of them are broken, and, and I think that's what we see. You know, and, and it was, um, I wasn't prepared for that, I think. I mean, I wanted to go back, and there's a, there's a half a dozen people who were still there when I was there. And I wanted, I knew that those people were Christians. I didn't get a chance to see them because they were, they were at work. But um, 
you know, I was hoping against hope that it would be some smiles and some see the hearts of some of the Christians who I knew were still there. And I didn't get to see that. But uh, again, I, I can't, I say, because I go out, I look for that in people as I go out, even to the, your, where your prison when we do a thing. I'm looking for that spark in somebody's heart. And I just too often don't see it. We talked about a gentleman who just got out, spent 27 years. It was in his heart, and I saw it right away, you know. And he was a man who gave you credit for coming back from Colorado or something. And you just saw him and you called his name out and put him right to work and painting the walls out there. Do you see that in people? And uh, how do you deal with it when you see it, if you see it in somebody? You mean seeing a spark? Spark or the heart, somebody that you know is a Christian, you know is being well. And do you help that person or? Anything, whether it's being a Christian or just some sort of positive sign, I think we need to capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hope is, is, is something that, uh, should not be lacking in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, without that, people are going to, they are going to fail. They are going to flounder. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, creating an environment inside of, of prison that, that, that emphasizes hope, reentry, the future, and, and having them realize that what they're doing today does matter. They're not just doing time. They actually have an opportunity to work on their life and to, and to move themselves forward. And so I think capitalizing on that in any vein is, is important and uh, looking for that, hunting for it. And, and, and just uh, we spend our time often focusing on the troublemakers. Right. And there needs to be balance in prison. It's, it's not strawberry fields forever and rose-colored glasses and we just, you know, we're going to fix everything. Right. There needs to be accountability for behaviors. But you need, but far often we don't jump at the opportunity to those who are trying to improve themselves and provide ample opportunity for them to do that. Uh, you know, because I think I, I, I tell the story that um, I got in trouble when it was CCA and um, was put in a hole. And for that, got the trip to live with the 500 worst people <laughs> in the state of Idaho at max. And I think at that point in time for me, I was alone in the hole at now ISCC, and that's when God kind of reached out to me and said, Mr. Ennick, I've been trying to get your attention for 50 years, and uh, I've got you now, and there's no outside sources. All I've given you is an A book and a Bible, and you got to sit here for 30 days, and then I'm going to give you, I'm going to reward you, I'm going to send you over to Max, okay? And I think that's when it hit for me, and so, um, and I'm entirely thankful for that. Uh, I wouldn't want to do seven years again, but I mean, I would if I could, but it was the best seven years of my life. And, and, and that's sincere. So I think the, the thing that we do need to provide, me on the outside, you on the inside, is to provide that sense when we do, we do offer them some hope for that and, uh, as they go forward. And, as, and when we see that hope, provide those avenues for them to go forward. And it's not going to be everybody. It's a broken world out there. But we've got to figure out a way to get to those people who want that hope. Does that make sense? Yes. Living today does matter. It does. You know, it's, we, got, we have a tendency to, to look at the, at the past and think of the good old days, and we're fearful of the yeah. future. But if we just focus on what we're doing today exactly. and, and, and realize that's going to impact and actually create our future, yeah. then then it gives us something to work on, something to wake up for every day. Yeah, you have to do that. If you're listening to me on Desert, you have to do that. Start right now. 
planning for what that's going to be when you're released. It's not you're not just waiting to get out to get the job to get the duh. You need to start focusing on what that is right now because when you get out, guess what? It's going to be harder than it is in there, far harder than it is when you get out there. You got all sorts of pressures. You've got this felony attached to you that you can't find housing. You got to go all this stuff and everything that you thought you could do very easily and go back to, you can't. And so take this time now, reflect on who you are and uh, work on your sense of community. And I think I'll speak for Randy. You need some type of a Christian community to be wrapped around you upon release or life will be difficult for you. I say that to people and they don't, they look at me like I'm off the wall, but you need that type of community or you do not succeed. Uh, yeah, so hopefully as you go forward downtown, we can build on those kinds of things and make it work. Uh, anything you want to address before we kind of close today? I, I thank you so much for this. You're, no, I'm glad to be here. You're a delightful here. man. We've glad, never talk, glad you and I have never here. spoken, just for the record, one-on-one -on -one like yeah, this. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity. It, uh, the um, discussion kind of went down a vein I wasn't expecting, so, I, you know. Uh, well, I think it's the I, fun part of this show I, is that yeah. we didn't know. And, and I, I, um, I knew that you were a strong Christian, and I want the people who are listening to me on The Voice, this is, this is your warden that you're talking to, and this guy has a great heart. He works hard, and he sits in that office at the end down there and, and imposes the rules that makes that place work effectively. But he's just like you and me, and uh, just like, especially just like you if you're out there on the tiers. Uh, you need to work on yourself and come out and help Mr. Blades and I upon release to make uh, the world out here is broken, guys. We need some help. We need people to stand up and be strong for that. Anything we can close with from you, sir? Congratulations on the new job. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I think uh, you're going to be very, very, very successful. Downtown needs your energy and your expertise, and uh, you'll be a welcome um, addition down there. Henry's lucky to have you down there. Thank you so much. Mallory loves company. His old dog sings harmony. Tambourine tied to his tail. You can hear him moan, you can hear him wail. Again, I want to thank uh, Mr. Uh, Randy Blades for being on the show today. You can tell from the voice and if you listen to the show, he's a special man, and, and we were very, very, very lucky to have him here. We hope to get him back at some point in time. If you need information about what we do or how we do it, we're pretty easy to reach. You can reach out at www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email. Systemic Change of Idaho at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of Idaho. We're actually on Instagram at Systemic Change of ID. And you can even call us on the phone at area code 208 477 1006. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.